did manage to do something very important. And that was register for Dreamforce. Oh yeah, we did. Both of us did. You're going to Dreamforce. I think. <laughs> and potentially. Well, yeah. Yeah, this is... You, you got to have a little sound thing to introduce this because... The- <laughs> what kind of sound thing? Uh, we're going to Dreamforce. <laughs> but yeah, the way we registered was interesting though. Because we decided to take a shot at the uh, press blogger <laughs> attendee right. status. Yeah, we're official, right? Yeah. What do you think the odds of that are going to be? I don't know. I don't see why they wouldn't accept us as blogger slash podcasters. They didn't even have a dr- drop down for podcasters. No, but something in their men- mentioned podcast as well. I mean, but we did pick the blogger thing. But, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an audio blog. I'm not, I, I mean, they, they say they have limited passes to hand out. So I'm assuming that what they traditionally do is they'll select a handful of, what do we call them? Journalists? <laughs> loosely. Loosely. We'll loosely call them journalists. Right. Press analysts, bloggers. We'll say that. And I guess they, they give them a free ticket to Salesforce. I don't, I don't think they pay for everything, but they'll, uh, they'll probably pay for their admission nope. fee because they said they had a limited. Lot of those, a lot of these guys get their expenses paid. They're, Airfare, their flights, their hotel. Well, all well that. maybe we'll get to partake Meals. in that, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that process works. Well, so that's a discussion we should have. Like, what are we willing to accept? Like, we've already applied to go as as uh, bloggers slash podcasters slash journalists slash guys in their parents' basement. And if we get accepted, that means that we our admission is covered. Now, is that right. considering you know getting taking money from Salesforce or you know, something that could be compromising or re- lead to us, you know, c- could it color our podcast or our coverage of Salesforce? See, that's why, that's where I think it'll be interesting. If they did, we get to explore the emotions of that. Yeah. Well, I don't think it does. Like, I mean, if we, if we are going to like report on it, I mean, we shouldn't have to, to pay a Dreamforce admission ticket. Right. But we do, I do think that we should, you know, we shouldn't, not that they're going to offer this, but we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have them pay our expenses and pay for us to be there and, you know, take us out to fancy dinners and stuff. No. I mean, other people should take us out to fancy dinners, but not Salesforce. <laughs> there you go. Jeremy said it. If you're going to Dreamforce and you just need some company for dinner. Yeah. Just, just hit know, us up. I mean, at Jeremy, at Ross, Jeremy Ross on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter. At John de Santiago. I know. I know. You can just find me on Jeremy's if my name's too hard to spell. Right. <laughs> I'm his only follower. Well, let's, so let's, t- I mean, what's the, what are the, what's the over under, what are, what are the odds of us, uh, do you think of us getting accepted as bloggers? Well, they said themselves it's limited. So I'm assuming they're going to pick their favorites. They're going to pick like the Forbes and the fortunes and the tech crunches of the world. Our, our little, uh, good day, sir, probably won't rank up there enough to, to warrant it. But I did think somewhere it said, you know, it included like when it described what bloggers was, or whatever it did have pod- podcast was listed somewhere. And how many Salesforce podcasts are there? So there's. There's the uh, button click admin, which does that still exist? Yes. I know Salesforce bought it. Yeah, it still exists. Which. It, why, why are you advertising other podcasts, man? Because I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I, you know, a, a rising tide raises all ships, John. That's right. There's the um, code coverage podcast, Matt Lacey and Stephen Herod. Right. Right. And then there's uh, Cloud Life. Um, who are those guys? I don't know. Matt. Um, 
That's why we have the internet. Yeah, Matt and um, the other guy. <laughs> Matt and the other guy. That says it all right there. Matt Morris. Yeah, right. And who's the other guy? Maybe it's just Matt. He just has guests. Do they have a Twitter account or something? I mean, I want to at least get their names right. Is it not called Cloud Life? It is, right? They need to fix their website. And um, silence as you look up and yeah. <laughs> Sean, Sean, Sean Holmes. Holmes. Yeah, Sean. Yeah, there we Sorry, go. Sorry, Sean. Yeah, Sean's a listener, damn it. I know. I'd like Sean. I just couldn't think of his name. Sorry, Sean. We owe you one. If um, you make it out to Dreamforce, I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, how many other cell are there any other Salesforce podcasts? I mean, it's just, it's not like they have a lot to pick from. Code coverage, cloud life. Do we even show up? If you type Salesforce pod, we don't. That's pretty sad. I know I need to work on that. Yeah. I need to work on my tagging and my uh my uh what, what do we call it? Uh we, we don't have we have no Google juice. Yeah, my Google juice. That's what I was looking for. I wish you come up on the top here. I mean cloud life is here and code coverage is here. And then like a bunch of Stuff that shouldn't even doesn't even deserve to be on the first pages here. We just are nowhere. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> okay, let's look into the why this might be. Okay. Good day, sir. Podcast.com. So so first of all, the title should have something about Salesforce. It doesn't. But our very first paragraph does say Salesforce.com. But it doesn't use it doesn't have the word podcast in it. So I yeah. need to I need to yep you know, update our, our site to say the word podcast that way. If you're looking for a good Salesforce podcast, so they will but, find the good day, sir. But my point is there's really, I mean, I don't think there's very many regular Salesforce podcasts, so it's a small group. So I mean, even if, even if it is limited, yeah, there's a lot of bloggers. There's a lot more bloggers though. So do you, do you think they actually, when they review it, they just go for names they know, or do you think they, they actually take the time to kind of look at the content that we produce? I, I doubt anyone at Salesforce even knows who we are. So my guess is they'll probably go to our URL to see what what, the, what is this. Not so. I know Benioff. Uh, yeah, and you know I know uh, he knows who I am too, but I don't know that he knows <laughs> that we have a podcast. I get I get to drop the mic. Can I tell you that? I haven't talked to him in a while. Can I tell you that because? Well, you should probably shouldn't I, drop I won. that mic. I, I, I won. Mic. I won Twitter. I'll just say that. How'd you do that? I got retweeted by Benioff. Did you really? I did. Wow. What'd you say? <laughs> Well, that's my next segment. Was it some kind of a social justice tweet or something? Almost. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, so it's it's a bit of follow up from last week. So last week I we were talking about, um, or at least I had mentioned that he was competing with someone with Fitbit and things like that. And it turns out he really was competing. I don't know how I missed this or how I just did not register. Um, oh, we didn't we didn't ever follow up on that. Yeah. So it's Michael Dell, right? It That's is Michael Dell. It's but, over, right? Yeah, and it's okay. over. So they did a celebrity challenge on Fitbit, and um, he was running behind quite a bit. And Dell kept jumping up. And then um, the last I checked, before it miraculously, was, well, Dell bumped up miraculously like thirty points or thirty thousand points or something. And then uh, finally, Benioff came out ahead. Someone was using their computer science skills to hack into the system, <laughs> even though. I've never really read a book on computer science. <laughs> so out of context, Jeremy. It's not. But we won. It's not. I'm excited. Salesforce won. We beat Dell. We. We. We are journalists. You can't identify yourself as we with I'm the not, subject you're covering. I'm not a journalist. Yeah, that's right. We're not. <laughs> but it, just like everything else in life, we get to say we because we supported it. That's true. 
Like in sports, if your team's doing good, yeah. you can say we yeah. won. And just to be clear, because we said this when we started, but we do not take ourselves seriously. We are literally just two guys sitting here that thought it would be cool to start recording our conversations for the three people. Thank you, Matt and Sean and Shell, who listened to us. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Four. Sorry. The four people. <laughs> uh, gotta thank the mom. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was close, wasn't it? The, um, and that was to benefit. So that's a Fitbit celebrity challenge. I guess, is that, are, so really, are Mark Benioff and Michael Dell, that's the, are those the best celebrities they can get? No, they've had other celebrities, oh, okay. but I think these guys did the best out of all of them in terms of getting donations. Some of the other numbers were like 80,000 steps or things like that. And these guys were cl- close to 200,000 or 2 million or I'd have to look again, but it was, it was way up there. The numbers were way up there. And it benefits the American Heart Association, right? It does. Yeah. That's good. And it's a charity I know because my daughter does the uh, jump rope for heart thing. And we do that every year. Yep. So it was fun. It was fun getting in there and competing and stoking the flames a bit. Yeah. Um, but, I, have, I have follow up too, by the way, if we're done with that. Oh, you segued out of my Dreamforce thing. Okay, well, let's segue back into it. <laughs> so we're, we're going to Dreamforce, but they always have this thing of why attend Dreamforce. Why are we attending Dreamforce, Jeremy? Well, because we, we need to help Salesforce become profitable. And for, for every time they sell a $1,099 ticket, that, that's, one, that's that much closer to being profitable. Do you think Dreamforce is for developers? Dreamforce is for everyone, John. Well, if you need help justifying Salesforce, they have plenty of tools to help you justify going to Salesforce. But one thing I noticed... Do they, do they work on wives? Uh, maybe. Okay. I'll have to plug that into the ROI calculator. That's the only person I have to justify it to. <laughs> but they have this, they have this thing on the, on the first page that says, who is Dreamforce for? And of course, it answers it for you. It's a rhetorical question. You, of course. Of course. And it says, select your role or industry. Administrators, analytics, automotive, communications. Everyone, executives, financial services, government, healthcare, IT, life science, manufacturing, marketing, media, retail, sales, service, small and medium business. What's missing? Developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, 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 developers. How can you forget (laughs) that? I know. We're not on there. Supposedly all about developers. We have our own cloud thing now, our keynote thing. Where's our developer credit? Where's our developer stuff? No love. They have sessions. You can, you can register for sessions as an architect, as a developer, and have very specific sessions for that. They're you, still going to have the, all, the, all the cool developer stuff. You know what that means. That just means that they know they've got us wrapped around their finger. They don't, they oh, don't, yeah. they don't have to do anything for us. They, yeah, they don't. They're like, we got you. Yeah, we should, you can't quit us. We should, quit we us. should start a movement to, to, instead of people going to, we should, we should start holding on. Remember how .NET had the alt.NET movement? You remember this? This is going back probably 10 years. This is, this is before Microsoft started getting, started getting a little bit more interesting and cool than they are now. And these guys created an alt.net movement to focus on building things using better practices and tools than, Salesforce, than, uh, than Microsoft was providing at the time. Mm-hmm. I think we should start an, uh, like a, what if, alt.force? Alt.force? Yeah. <laughs> alt.force. Well, that's what, and, and what we can do is we can have our own conference next door to Dreamforce. Yeah, next door will be the city next door because yeah. 
Dreamforces takes over the entirety of San Francisco. Well, we can camp out in front with signs like Sugar CRM does every year. We'll have to rent a barge out on the, <laughs> out That's on the bay. That's not a bad idea. To have our conference because there's no... Treasure there's, Island. Yeah. Uh, Treasure Island. Um, I mean, that's this is in the Good Day Sir podcast budget, right? Alcatraz. We can, our thinking. budget can handle that, can't it? Yeah, we can, we can rent out Alcatraz. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't want to go to a conference on Alcatraz? Sessions would be in jail cells. And, but what I'm saying is then Salesforce would start actually, uh, you know, paying some attention to us. Then they'd be like, Hey, you guys want to come in as press analyst? Uh, all right. So that's my Dreamforce news. You can go to your update. All right. So, um, so last week, I think it was last week, I read something from Dennis Hallett and I just kind of made the comment that I actually thought he was doing a fairly decent job of, of actually reporting, doing a little bit of research, actually talking to customers and getting real facts versus relying solely on Salesforce as the source of information for his report and his writing, right? And then I mentioned that, you know, I think it's like, oh, yeah, and he works, he writes for Diginomica. I think he writes for some other places too, but Diginomica, this is his main place. So I was reading an article yesterday, and sure enough, at the bottom of it, it says disclosure. And by the way, I should probably play i've got information man new shit has come to light okay so this is i've learned something about diginomica disclosure at the time of this writing salesforce is a premier partner of diginomica a premier partner what does that mean that means salesforce gives them money diginomica.com what is this a what does their thing say a business insight business insights for the digital Enterprise. I mean, they're, they're a news thing, right? Yeah. No, wait a minute. Created under Creative Commons license at the bottom of their page. They have ads, don't they? Let me turn off ad block. I'll run on this page. On this, uh, okay. So you're saying they're not journalists? I don't know. I mean, they've got to be, right? They, they're covering anyway. But that, I mean, just, just, just the fact that Salesforce is a partner does not mean that it's influencing coverage. Oh, John, this is, this is how you show you're so naive with this. You, you will not win me with, with, with this argument. We will, we'll continue to differ. Um, that's like saying, you know, they, we, don't need, we don't need the First Amendment. The government would never stop us from wanting to, to get together or to practice our religion or to speak freely. They would never do that. That's ridiculous. Uh, I'm not opening <clears throat> that can of worms. Yeah. Um, so, okay, I have, I have more uh, stuff that has come to light. Uh, this, is, this is a Metallica follow-up. So Metallica seems to be something we somehow end up talking about now. And uh, the thing is, is, I know that you've been wondering all these, what, 25 years? that there, You've been wondering why the And Justice for All album had such little bass. The bass was like mixed down so low, right? Well, here's the reason why. Uh, we had to get the drum sound up the way he had it. it. I wasn't a fan of it. So now Lars goes, see that bass guitar? And I said, yeah, a great part, man. He killed it. Then Lars says, I want you to bring down the bass where you can barely audibly hear it in the mix. And I said, you're kidding, right? He said, no, bring it down. So I bring it down to the level. And he says, now drop it another 5 dB. I turn around and look, look at Hetfield. And I said, he's serious. It just blew me away. So there you go, Lars. Lars Ulrich, the drummer from Metallica, the guy who 
he was the one I was mentioning last time we were talking about it that was is not very good. Mm-hmm. He dist- he ruined and justice for all because he didn't want anyone to be able to hear the bass, so that you could hear his kick drum. <laughs> uh, and this is who Benioff. Thanks, Benioff. What? They're just buddies. You have to like everything your buddies do. I don't like everything you do. Yeah, but you don't pay me to come do concerts in your backyard either. You should. I'll bring my trumpet. That's all right. What did we say it was? 500 grand per concert? It was a million. Uh, we were going for 500 to get Metallica to play. Yeah. 500K. Um, so I have, I have a slightly technical thing before we get into uh, other stuff. Um, so I was doing, well, I'm working on a pretty big Salesforce project. And I was doing some sandbox maintenance and stuff. And actually I was getting some, some well, sandbox maintenance, getting some continuous integration stuff set up. And I, I hit this limit, which I don't think I realized existed before. Um, so I got to de- deploy um, my entire metadata package into a sandbox. And I get this uh, error message that says, you know, hey, this, you can't send a message that's bigger than 50 megabytes. 550. Five zero megabytes. Yeah, 50 megabytes. And I thought, well, that's weird. So I looked at my package and sure enough, I mean, with all of our metadata, um, it's like 160 megabytes, which doesn't seem like that much anyway. I mean, 160 meg, that's, that's not, nothing nowadays. Yeah. And so I started asking around and sure enough, that, that is the limit. And so I'm searching around and then, then the solutions are, well, just, just split it, right? Just split it into three or four packages. I'm like, well, yeah, okay. Come on, Jeremy. So Just split it. Well, first, so first easy. of all, that makes that makes any kind of deployment, not to mention continuous integration, like way more complex. Uh, and second of all, much of it. second of all, one of the nice things about Salesforce deployments, and and I'll I think you put got to put this in the you know in the in the credit column here, is that they're completely atomic. So if you know if if fifteen minutes into your deployment, uh, there's some kind of error, you've got something wrong, the whole thing rolls back. You don't, right. you're not in a half deployed state, which is, right. which is a nightmare. That's a, that's a disaster. Um, but if you have to split your deployment into three different deployments, well, that means that let's say you de- deploy your, you know, your first part, which has got, you know, changes to custom objects and workflows and things. And then you go to do your second deployment, which has maybe, you know, Apex code and pages and email templates. And that one fails. And it turns out it's going to take um, a significant amount of work from people who aren't even at work right now to fix these things. And so you're not going to be able to, to address that until maybe next week. Well, what do you do now? You're half deployed, right? You can't undeploy. Nope. There's really no way, good way to roll back. What are you going to do? But this is the solution. You're going to keep deploying. This until is it the gets solution done. is to split your deployment up into multiple deployments. The other problem with splitting up to multiple deployments is there's so much circular reference in Salesforce metadata, you know, Reports refer to record types and things re- refer to workflows and workflows refer to other things and profiles get referred to and referred to by everything. Right. And it becomes this web that you can't untangle into separate deployments very easily. I mean, luckily I was able to find points, mainly just go searching through metadata, I found points where I could break to, to make separate deployments, but I still have the problem of, okay, now I'm, now I'm going to have to do multiple deployments and they're not atomic. And so I could be, I can, I mean, I'm definitely, that's going to happen. I'm going to end up in a partially deployed state that I'm stuck in and I can't roll back out of. Right. And this is your enterprise application development platform or whatever Salesforce calls it. 
Sounds like you're saying you don't like the deployment process in Salesforce. There's there's parts of it that are good, and I mentioned one of them. <laughs> well, there, yeah, but it, yeah, no, the whole metadata API and the mod, the whole model itself is it's first of all it's it's still even though I've been working with it forever, it's still so unlike every other deployment model, whether you're .NET or Java or any other application development platform. It's so unlike any of them that it's none of the tools apply, none of the ways you do things cross over into Salesforce. It's a completely different way. And, and there's, and there's things about it that are just really problematic. And, and you can tell, I mean, I remember from, from back in like when I first started working with Salesforce, like in 2002 or 2003, I remember Mark Benioff talking, saying you can build anything on Salesforce. You can build custom applications and all this stuff. And really at that point in time, you couldn't, I mean, there was an API, so you could integrate with it. Right. You could build a separate app outside of Salesforce. Um, and there were, I believe there were, I'm not even sure there were S controls yet. There may have been S controls then. I want to say there were. There might have been. Um, but that was it. And so, but even back then, I had people, you know, Benioff was selling the capabilities of the system that were far beyond what its actual capabilities were. And it wasn't built for the things he was selling. And I still feel to this day. Now, of course, what he said 10 years ago, that is actually true now. I mean, you can build, I won't say anything, but there's a ton of stuff you can build right in Salesforce. I mean, it may not be your favorite programming language or whatever, but there's a ton of stuff you can do in Salesforce as, a, as an application platform. But still today, he's selling, he still continues to sell. And I guess he, you know, he's the number one salesman, so why wouldn't he? Right. But he continues to sell things that really it wasn't built for. It, it's, not a, it's not a sales pitch, it's a challenge. The metadata it's a challenge to his team. The metadata API wasn't really built for doing the types of deployments that people are doing now. Yeah, but I mean that that's not necessarily a reflection on on a broken promise. That's more of a reflection on of the growing pains of the tool and the fact that they really haven't invested much in that area at all lately. I mean, we have little tweaks to the change sets and things like that. You know, we have the ability to cancel and all that kind of stuff now, which helps a little bit. And we got we have the the statuses so we can see what's going on. We can see, you know, how many classes is uploaded, where it is in the unit testing process and all those kind of things. So I mean, there's there's a little bit of attention there, but it doesn't. It seems like they're, it seems like they're band aids or they're ways to just provide information, um, to kind of hold us over. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they they do make subtle improvements here and here and there, but it's basically the same exact model. The metadata, the way the the way that API works, is the same way it worked day one, if I remember correctly. I mean, the, the architecture and the, the process and how it works has not changed at all. They've added more metadata types. They've added a few more features to it. You know, you can cancel. There's, you can get a little bit of um, insight into the status of a deployment. But that's it. Um, it just was not made for these types of things. Apex is another great example. I mean, that's probably one of the, my biggest complaint topics with Salesforce is the Apex programming language. It was not made for big applications. I mean, it's very simple. Its object orientation is completely broken. It doesn't support any kind of packages or namespaces or organization or grouping or anything. Um, it's really verbose. It's, it's more verbose than Java was 10 years ago. No one's uh, asking for that stuff, Jeremy. And uh, Exactly. That's what, they, that, that's what their answer is. When I've asked them, when I've asked the right people, it's like, well, really, the problem is, is hardly any of our customers are asking for this. Like, well, well, because their customers are the CEOs of the, of the, con- of, and, of and the, the world. O- and here's the other answer I got, which was, well, Apex just wasn't built for that. It was built to be a database triggering language. And you know what I said to the guy? You know what? You're absolutely right. I totally agree. That's, I'm sure that's what it was built for. But people are trying to use it to do bigger and better things. And your CEO is out there telling them to, the, to do these bigger and better things. And that's how he's selling this platform. Right. 
how, how, how much of this do you think would go away if they just kind of adopted the Heroku model and, and kind of made that first class in Salesforce? I think that all goes away. I mean, that's what I've been asking for since they announced they were buying Heroku. I mean, that's, I was very excited about that. I think we were all hopeful that that's, yeah. that's the, that was the case. I mean, imagine, you know, get push Salesforce master and it just, you know, you're deploying using what your favorite, you know, Ruby or JVM language you want, right? And it's you know, running right in the Salesforce platform as a first class citizen. And what do we have now? I mean, what is that? What was that? Four, five, four years ago, five years ago, three years ago. And what do we have now? Heroku connect, which is in pilot still and whatever. And VM, remember VM force. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you never know. Maybe Dreamforce will announce something. I, I always hope so. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be awesome if the year I go, they announce, you know, that they've got something that would. I'm not uh, getting my hopes up. I'll have, I get my ho- you, I'll have to mic you up through the whole keynote just to, just to get your reactions. Yeah. I always get my hopes up. Um, so I'll take some other notes here. Let me see if I can find them. Um, so, and there's, there's, here's other weird things that are just broken about the, about deployments. Um, perfectly valid metadata. Uh, will give you things like I cannot update a field to a formula from something else. Can't change the data types. Uh, not through the metadata API. You can't. But through the UI, you can. Yeah, there's a lot of cases like that where it makes certain types of continuous deployment difficult or 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 impossible well, in certain cases. It's not even. It's yeah. Just any. It they make it makes it uh, on anything automated. It makes it you can't really automate that kind of stuff, right? Like, what do you do? Um, put in a step where Jenkins stops, and you go in and do something manual, and then you click the play button to continue right in the middle of the Jenkins build or you know deployment i mean what do they expect you to do for that okay now here's another cannot add master detail relationship due to existing data rows okay um summarized field must be on an object that is detail of object containing summary um here's a report a, cr- a criteria and a report that failed uh, no record type name blah 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 some id of a record type which was weird because that record type was there in fact i I pulled this metadata directly out of production and deployed it directly to a sandbox. So pristine metadata that Salesforce produced is not accepted by, um, there's a bunch of other just random errors. I mean, just that are weird kind of metadata bugs. I'll skip over. Um, now here's one. So now there's now a metadata type. It's actually, a, it's actually a, the, the, it's a layout, but mm-hmm. there's now a, a standard layout called feed item layout. And it's for, I think for the chatter feed item. And it's also a Salesforce one thing and you can't create, there's two of them that come out of the, I can't remember the names of them. There's two of them of this data metadata type um, that come standard and you can't even add new ones. Okay. Um, so and again, this came right out of Salesforce and I'm deploying this to sandbox and I get an error layout must, must have at least one section. Okay. It's nice. Um, let's see. Yeah, dependencies between workflows and email templates. Again, that's when I was trying to break up the metadata package. Right. Oh, here's a good one. Unknown user permission. Edit billing info. You know, are you familiar with that user permission? No, I haven't heard of that one. Okay, in the UI, it's called managed manage billing, and out of the and out of the box, the system administrator has this privilege called manage billing. Can you guess why I was getting the error that the edit billing info permission is unknown? As I was deploying this to sandbox, 
because that permission doesn't exist in Sandbox. Is it an out-of-sync refresh or what? No, it's just that if you go into sand, log into Sandbox, any Sandbox, and look at your system administrator profile and look for the manage billing permission, it's not there. Oh. Because it's not a function that you can do within a Sandbox. Right. Uh. And even though I'm like, I, that shouldn't matter. Because like, if you change... Salesforce shouldn't be linking to your sandbox's billing info. Like, it should still be an identical copy, though. Like, the functionality should be the same. Yeah, because if not, it breaks all this kind of stuff. Um, other, other, just all kinds of all kinds of weird permission. Um, here's one error: permission view all data depends on permission view event log files. I mean, these were pulled directly out of Salesforce. This is verbatim metadata that sell, that Salesforce production generated. And, I, and it's not accepted by the sandbox org. Right. So this is just the kind of stuff when you, that you deal with when you're trying to use some of the more advanced tools right. to, to do bigger things and to do them in better ways. And I, I mean, you know, it's, it's not, every system's always going to have bugs and it's either, never going to be perfect. But I mean, there's, just, there's so many with metadata. It's so, it's so painful. Met, it's, metadata it, is definitely long in the tooth. I mean, I, I just think that piece is in need of entirely being refactored and how that's managed, how it's deployed, you know, all of those things. Well, and it gets to the point that when, when I've talked to my clients about the fact that we should be using the metadata API and we should be part of version control and it, we should have a controlled development and deployment pipeline. Mm -hmm. We should have a build process. Um, they start to lose confidence in, in what everything I'm saying, because they see how poorly it works sometimes and how many glitches there are with it. But to be clear, I mean, th these are companies that are asking for significant customizations to Salesforce. It's going to require a significant amount of effort. I mean, if we're, what, what they're sold on 90% of the time, at least most at a higher level, is that you can customize the application point and click tools. So it, it becomes somewhat of a sticker shock whenever we come back and say, hey, yeah, I know you, you want, we know you we want to be able to do whatever you want. But it does come with these certain caveats. Yeah, that's true. But even, I mean, experienced Salesforce consultants, um, I hear that from sometimes. They're just like, oh, you're going to make, you're, you're going to want us to do version control and metadata and, and you're going to want us to make sure that all of our changes go through your Git thing, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I am. I really am. Because <laughs> overall, it's still better, even though you have to deal with stuff like this. It is. It is. It gets absolutely out of control when you have multiple develop or when you have multiple people working in the same sandbox and overriding each other's changes and all that kind of right. stuff. It just, that gets to be an absolute mess. So don't do it. I'm going to compile the do's and don'ts from Jeremy Ross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. What else is going on? You got anything? I've, so there's one thing I do want to get into, which is this, because it, it's almost unavoidable. So yesterday, Mark Benioff, I think, he, I think she actually think he's been doing this for a week or two, but really it, uh, it blew up yesterday when um, when uh, the Indiana uh, legislature passed um, a bill, uh, a religious freedom bill, and Mark and many other CEOs and pe famous people, whatever, um, were expressing um, concern about it. Mm -hmm. And then and Mark was actually making threats. Um, and then it just actually was signed into law, I think, yesterday by their governor, Mike Pence. Um, I don't want to get into the politics of it because that doesn't matter, but I do want to get into what that bill was all about and, um, and what it actually means for Salesforce and what it means for not just Indiana, but other states and country they're operating in. So, but that's kind of a bigger topic. So 
we can either get into it now or later. That's up to you. I have a few things, but it's up to you. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get into it then. All right. All right. So, okay. So Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff says that he canceled all his company's events in the state of Indiana after its governor signed into law a bill that makes it legal for individuals to use religious grounds as a defense when they are sued by people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Uh, and in an interview with Recode, Benioff threatened the state with a slow rolling of economic sanctions if the law is not thrown out. Uh, Mark said, we've made significant investments in Indiana. We run major marketing events and conferences there. We're a major source of income and revenue to the state of Indiana, but we simply cannot support this kind of legislation. Uh, then Benioff said that uh, Governor Pence says he wants to bring the tech industry to Indiana and to increase the number of tech-related jobs in his state, but he doesn't seem to understand that a significant portion, a significant portion of the tech industry is gay. Let's stop right there. First of all, is there... Is there actually data on that? Have they done surveys? Even it, whether it's true or not, does it even matter? I that's a good point. It doesn't. But I'm just wondering, where did he get that from? I mean, is he, just, is he actually stereotyping techs? Oh, those techs, they're all, those gay techs. <laughs> those techs are so gay. Uh, I think he just made that up. He might have. <laughs> so he, he, he's not going to hold any events or anything like that. He, he's, he's, he's basically implementing... What just just isolating them from 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 yeah. his boy boycott? I mean, so Salesforce a boycott. Had, there you go. That's okay. The right Salesforce, Sales, a little background. Salesforce has a significant presence in Indiana because that's where Exact Target was. Mm. And so when they bought it, when they bought Exact Target, they basically left it there. Right. So they've got I'm going to say a couple thousand employees there, and they do, you know, a lot of events and stuff there. And it's the I didn't see him threaten to pull employees out, but they're basically like any events that he's not going to fly customers or um, outside employees to Indiana anymore. They're going to mm -hmm. cancel all events. Well, that, that certainly could hurt. Oh, it absolutely could. And there's other, th I mean, there's been other, I think companies that have made similar threats. Um, and so, yeah, so he's saying today we are canceling all programs that require our customers and employees to travel to Indiana to face discrimination. Mm. We're going to face discrimination. Is that, is that the answer, though, to kind of avoid and isolate? Or would, would the answer to be to kind of go in and, and have a larger presence and change the mindset of the people? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if he has... I mean, do you just kind of say, take, take your ball and go home and say, that's it, I'm done with you? Or do you just you participate? We're all part of a community. I think that gets in the, to the question of like which side is more intolerant. Mm. And that probably gets into the politics of it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't, I don't even really have, I mean, my personal opinion is I don't, well, I don't, I don't really have, a, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I mean, I'm a libertarian, so I'm all about freedom and whatever that means to you. Um, I, I think the tech industry is definitely huge. They definitely spend a lot of money and they definitely have some influence because of that. And it will hurt. And it's not just the tech industry. Like I think the NCAA, mm -hmm. um, said some stuff about they were really concerned and may change some things. <clears throat> but, okay, so, there, so let me just read. So, you know, there was, Mark got a ton of news coverage. He's on, you know, got covered on TV, um, all, all the newspaper, all the major newspapers, um, all the online sites. And he probably has, you go, just go to Google News and search for Benioff, Indiana, and thousands of articles will come up. So he really, I mean, he hit a home he run. He made with the this. rounds. He yeah. made a he hit a home run with this one for sure. 
And so that maybe that's part of your question of why didn't, well, actually, why didn't he try to help solve the problem instead of throwing a fit? Well, maybe this works better. It, it maybe does. I mean, actually, and maybe getting, maybe he's bringing more attention to it than if he did try to change right. hearts and minds. Right. Well, obviously, I mean, if you create enough controversy, you put enough attention on the issue. Yeah. There, there's no bad publicity. Is, is that the saying? Something like that. Right. Exactly. Um, and I, you know, I looked on, I saw people sharing on Facebook and there were just, you know, hundreds of comments, you know, hit those conservatives in the wallet, or, uh, this is a great response to a very ugly and dangerous bill. Um, thank you, Mark, for standing up. Done us all proud. Uh, thank you, Mark Benioff for stepping up and speaking out. Everyone should, 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 and will be treated equally. Big kudos, Mark. I'm impressed. Courage. Love it. Um, actually, I think it would have taken more courage to do what you said, which was, which would be to stay there and try to change hearts and minds. I think so. That, that's definitely the harder thing to do. But I'm still vague on whether or not he's technically saying he wants to pull out or if he's just kind of just saying, hey, you know what? We have enough influence here. We're going to make it hurt. That type of thing. Yeah. I mean, and that's definitely a, a, that's definitely a big stick, yeah. I think, especially in, in Indiana. All right. So, you know, I'm a government legislation analyst, um, so I like to uh, dig into the, some of these things. So uh, let, me, let me actually read to you. Um, so here's what it says. This is the actual, it's a, I read the bill, very short. The actual meat of the bill is like less than a half a page. Mm. Okay. Except as provided in subsection B, then uh, this is section 8A. A government, ent- a government entity may not substantially burden a person's exercise of religion, even if the burden results from a rule of general applicability. That's actually the law. I have no idea what that means. A government entity may not burden a person's exercise of religion. Okay. Okay. Um, The interesting thing is we also have a federal law, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was passed in 1993. And here's what it says. Exact words. Government shall not substantially burden a person's exercise of religion, even if the burden results from a general rule of applicability or a rule of general applicability. Virtually the same wording. Okay, so this is what's happening. So that this at a federal level, this was passed in 1993, mm-hmm. um, but it only applied to the federal government. So the fed there was a federal law saying the federal government couldn't burden your your religion, your exercise of religion. Since then, a lot of states have also passed similar laws so that people can have protection against the state burdening your exercise of free religion. Um, by the way, the, that federal law was introduced by Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, and was passed by unanimous House and near unanimous Senate, and it was signed into office by President Bill Clinton. Interesting. Um, there are, okay, so like I said, a lot of states have, have this same legislation. They basically created a copy of it so they can have it at the state level. Uh, and also in many states, basically through case law, courts have basically made the same, had the same ruling. Um, here are the states that have this same protection. Washington, Idaho, Montana, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Missouri, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Maine, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. Um, so there's like 30 states that have this in some form or another already. So now my question is, okay, big shot. Are we going to pull out of all those states? 
we're going to cancel all of our events in all these states that have the same exact law or, or a court decision that basically made so, the same So what thing. is the main difference with, with this law in Indiana that's caused so much attention? I think it's just that it's the latest thing. Mm. And as there's more, as marriage equality marches forward, I think it gets more attention. And especially, you know, because President Obama, his entire life was not for gay marriage until just a few years ago. And really since that happened, since he made that change, I feel like these are much, a much bigger thing now. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, should, so if, if he's going to be consistent, you know, should he pull out of all those other states? No, because I don't, I don't think pulling out's the answer. I mean, I'm just saying if, if that is the answer. Don't you have to be? Don't you have to kind of put your money where your mouth is and be consistent? I mean, I, he, I think more so. I think more so. This is what, what kind of what we alluded to earlier, which is that it's it, it gets attention, it creates controversy, and he's be able to make the rounds and and uh, talk about it and get his viewpoint out. Yeah, and Salesforce also has three big centers in India, and uh, just last year, um, India had a court decision that made basically same sex sex illegal and punishable by 10 years in prison. And they've also got issues on probably worse than this country on, on that type of thing. So why does Salesforce have, you know, gigantic operations there? And are they going to pull out of those? And what about Singapore where people in Singapore face legal challenges that basically, yeah, same sex marriages is illegal. Yeah. But any, any same sex activity is illegal in Singapore very conservative little country city country thing. So, I mean, if that's your standard, if that's your, if that's your litmus test based on, you know, we're going to, we're going to do business there or not, then it seems like Salesforce is going to be pulling out of a lot of countries and States. I don't think that's going to be the case. You, uh, you can't withdraw yourself from the world because you don't, you don't like certain things. You, you have to participate. You have to be part of the community and you have to make your voice heard and, and in, initiate the change. And maybe just, you know, the controversy of, of, of somewhat of this kind of, I don't, I don't want to say faux, faux sanctions, but this, this kind of just event, um, it will be significant. It will yeah. hurt. Yeah. And um, it will, it will bring attention to the issue. Yeah. Also, um, turns out Mark has, now here's Mark contributes. I've looked this up before. He contributes politically to all kinds of different people, Republicans, Democrats, independents. He's, kind of all across the board, but he's, he's given a lot of quite a bit of money to candidates who voted for the religious freedom restoration act, including uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, president Barack Obama and speaker of the house, John Boehner. Kind of a mixed bag there, huh? That is a mixed bag. <laughs> they all voted. They all voted for it. Oh, interesting. Or supported it at, at a state or federal level. Um, so yeah, I, you know, he kind of, I mean, I don't want to say he stepped in it because I don't think he, has made any mistake or anything. And I think it's fine. I, I mean, clearly there's a lot of support for his um, spirit of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But if he's going to start making those kind of threats, I think, I mean, it's like, I wonder if he's, is he going to be able to stick to that or. It, it's, it's on a time frame. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Of course, my, <clears throat> I come, come to it from kind of a libertarian perspective. Um, you know, why do religious people get these opportunities to 
manage their, you know, or have their freedom of religion, but um, there's, an no, there's, individual. There, there's no bills that say, you know, that a government can't substantially burden a person's exercise of free association. Why is that? Why is it just religion? Why do religious people... I don't understand these laws anyways. They, I don't, need I don't that understand either. the way they're written and everything. You could actually... They're vague enough that you can actually apply the, the converse argument towards <laughs> them and, and, and be within the law or even have the law apply to you. Well, like you just said, when, you. when I read that law to you, it's like, what, what does that mean? Yeah. That doesn't mean what everyone, everyone is saying it means. I mean, I, there, there's a problem with, with bills and laws that are like 100,000 pages long, but there's also a problem with bills and laws that are like a paragraph because there, there's, there's inherent vagueness in there. And it's almost like that's intentionally vague, right? Yeah. I agree. So, I mean, given that the law is that short, it's probably a bad law. It probably serves no real purpose. Um, but hey, yeah. if it can be a tool, make it a tool. Right. You know, that's, that's just Benioff, though. He's, he's always on the forefront of the social issues. And he's, he's really looked to as a leader, right? He has definitely positioned himself as that. And he's, he's, I'd say he's been very successful at doing that. He has the ear of a lot of people. Yes. He does. Hopefully that wasn't too uh, boring. I just, you know, it's all over the news right now. Yeah. So I thought we'd talk about it. Did we avoid the political part of it, do you think? I think so. And I really was just interested in the, the actual text of the law and the fact that all these other states basically have the same law. And what does that, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, maybe nothing. I and mean, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe this blows over in a week from now, like no one's talking about it anymore. That's usually what happens with well, this kind that's, of stuff. that's what we tend to do as a society. We right. gravitate to something. It's the, the big issue of the day, and the next week we're, we're, yeah. we're over it. What is, the we're out, what is the outrage of today? Yeah. yeah. What, do I, what do I need to be pissed off about today? Yeah, we, we got to have our vices. And <laughs> and come in and write on the whiteboard, just so no one forgets. <laughs> issue of the day. Hashtag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. What do you got? I, I have some Anything exciting else? news, Jeremy. Okay. I am about to offer a new service to all my clients. I'm announcing this right here and now. I'm offering a new science, a new, a new service to all my clients. You're going into business as a professional pooper scooper. No. No. Oh. Although, although I will do that for a fee. I'm not above doing that. I would too. I'm good at it. <laughs> You're good at it because you like your mower that flings it across and you have, you painted a target in the back <laughs> fence so you can, you know, position yourself and hit yeah. that target. It's, it's fun having a, th- a front throw mower. It just like shoots it out in front of you. 30 feet. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away when I'm mowing. Yeah, I was going to say, no one's allowed in the backyard when you're mowing. <laughs> and hopefully not the front. I don't know. Well, if some neighbor's dog poops in my front yard, it's going to get you flung. You just aim it. Yeah. You just aim it back at them. Yes. <laughs> Point it at their house. Uh, that's funny. So my new service is, I will evaluate the user experience of your Salesforce implementation while drunk. <laughs> I saw that. No, I saw the... <laughs> What was it? The guy said he would evaluate your website. If did you see that? Yeah, I'm applying this to, uh, okay. to mine. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm taking the idea and running with it. Okay. So so this was an article in Gizmodo, and I thought it was hilarious. But there's some value behind it, and he's actually, I I think he's had to up his price quite a bit. He's he's basically getting paid to to drink and uh and uh, work. Wow. Yeah, so, so for some context, for those who haven't heard about it, it's a, uh, so the article's title, I paid a UX expert $100 to get drunk and evaluate Gizmodo's design. So the author, um, Anna Lee Newitz, she had heard about this guy who was, he's a, he's a user experience designer, 
and he was he was offering you know twenty five bucks to to evaluate the usability of a site while he's drunk. Uh, and the idea being that your site should be easy enough to use that you could use it even while drunk, while you're impaired. Because um, obviously you're not, you're, you're, you're a little bit more foggier, you're not thinking straight, and you know, how easy is it to use? And, and I guess the thought is that you can apply that impairment to a user who's maybe not so experienced or maybe a little intimidated by the site. Yep. And so how do, how do you resolve that? So yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. So how does he remember what he had, had a hard time with? Does he video himself? Yes, he videos it. Okay. And there's actually some video, and we'll put the link in the show notes so you guys can see the video. But yeah, there's, there's video of there um, evaluating the site and clicking around. And yeah, I, I think it'd be a valuable service. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that'll be. How do you know easy. if your page layouts are usable? How do you know if, you, if, if all the buttons and, and wizards you've implemented are usable? What if it turns out, though, that like the the you know, 2004 style tons of tabs across the top of your screen is not a good way to do it. It isn't. It's not. <laughs> right. Uh, we, we, we've so hit, hit the wall on that one with Salesforce. We have more tabs than we know what to do with more applications in the dropdown than we know what to do with it, I don't know what the solution is. I can tell you what it isn't. And that's the SAP code input box. Where you have to type like the command. Yeah, you have to like yeah. type in the command to get to the right screen. So you just like memorize all these codes and you're just, you're just typing in all these codes. That to was get like the right their screen. 20 years ago mainframe version though. <laughs> I don't think I have that anymore. It seemed to work though. You just had to, for your job, you just had to memorize a few codes to get to the screens you needed. I can remember the least computer literate people ever being able to function just fine on the terminal launching screens with you know, on the green screen with four, like these four letter commands and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, those were the days where you didn't even have to see what was on the screen. You were ahead of the computer, right? You were typing in codes. You knew what the next screen was to be. So you type in your 12, enter, and then your 34, enter, yep. and then your, you know, whatever numbers came next. And later the screen would just catch up yeah, somehow. Just, <laughs> and you, well, you look like a boss doing it. Too. Why is it that morons could handle that back just fine back in the day? But now we've got to have like, perfectly you know logically be a rule of golden triangle rule or whatever that rule is you know everything's got to be are you, are you advocating that we go back to terminal days i'm just saying it worked you're, you're it a worked. big you're a big command line guy i'm a big graphical ui guy i i like things to look pretty i like things to be enjoyable to well use. it depends that's the right tool for the job i mean if you're stuck on a on a graph on a point and click for stuff i'm there's certain things i'm just going to completely burn you at on the on the terminal yeah the, the challenge becomes in the amount of data that you're presented with. And I think that's what's, what's kind of driving a lot of the minimalist stuff that we see today in sites and even in just design in general, the Apple stuff, we'll, we'll say. And that it tries to kind of cut back on the amount of content it's thrown at you at any given point in time. Right. And mobile has been big on that because you've only got a certain amount of real estate to work with. Yeah. And it's actually been great for that kind of stuff. Except that's one thing that everyone hates about like mobile websites is they end up taking so much functionality away in order to make it fit on a mobile interface and that's why no, everyone hates it when they see that they've been just forwarded to you know m dot mycompany.com because you know that. that you're going to be missing stuff you know there's going to be something you can't do always yeah and i'm always looking for that you know take me to the to the normal site so is that is that progress if this is the world we're in now i think it brings attention to the issue that maybe we're we're trying to put too much content up and, and maybe you know I, I do this all the time with sales i don't do this but I'm concerned about this all the time with Salesforce when, when we gather requirements for an implementation and they want to send emails for every little thing that happens or, or a chatter post for every little thing that happens in the system. Such a bad idea. 
and you're just kind of flooding the user's screen with all this information, you yeah. know, or, or, you know, they don't have any confidence in their users. That they'll be able to learn something and continue to do it. So they want all this kind of massive amounts of help information or even just breaking up the screens into multiple screens and do these wizards, which, you know, for a complicated process where you're trying to choose and guide through certain things, that's great. But when you're doing it just because you, you don't have that confidence in your users, they'll be able to get through it or learn how to get through it. Because like you said, back in the day, it was just a bunch of numbers on a terminal screen. Yeah. We were flying through those like crazy. I mean, at some point, you have to have some expectation of the, of the users, the person's capabilities. Right. And, you know, you don't want to dumb it down. But back to the tab thing, I've seen, I've kind of been looking at some other CRMs, and it's kind of funny. So, you know, there are some of them that I'm pretty sure just directly copied um, either Salesforce's tab layout, or I've seen some that look like, it just really looks like you're in Gmail almost, that they've copied the design so directly for their CRM system. But where do you think Salesforce got, where do you think they got their inspire, or inspiration for the tabbed interface from? Where everyone did. Amazon. Amazon. Yep. In fact, they had a trademark or copyright to the tabbed interface. Sure they do. I think, doesn't Amazon... I don't think they enforce it, but... No, it's just like the, the what's it called? The, um, the one click? The one click. They, they, they did try to enforce that. They did. They yeah. stopped though, right? But they stopped. They just, I think they, now they're just saying, hey, we just, we're happy owning this so that no one else can go out and try to be butts about it. Yeah. Which, yeah, if that's what they're doing, that's good. So are we saying tabs are bad? You know, I don't, I don't believe in any, that, that sounds like a best practice to me. And you know me, I don't believe <laughs> I in think, I think as with anything, tabs, especially, tabs can be good. Especially when we're talking about, well, as with anything, it's, it's all about moderation. It's about using it in the right context. Yeah. And look at Salesforce. So you have more tabs than my screen is wide. And then once you scroll past that, the last tab is a plus and you click the plus and then now you have this two columns of vertical tabs that go three pages down. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the Salesforce UI now. Looking forward to that uh, 100% reboot onto the Salesforce One layout or whatever. It I is. would like to see some of that marketing or some of that money on R&D that they're spending go into the UI. And I, again, I keep saying this every year and I'll say it again for another year. I know, I know in my heart, I feel it. We're due for a, for a new theme, for a new refresh on the UI. I think they've announced as much, haven't they? We've talked about that. Well, they, they, we have lightning components. We have all those components now that are, and they're, they're far more client side friendly. Um, so we have the makings of it, but there's nothing official that says, here's the new Salesforce UI. I don't know if they made an official announcement, but that was the, the rumor I was hearing was that they do plan on replacing their entire desktop interface, you know, based around lightning and aura. And that makes sense. I still think that doesn't solve the problem, though, of what content looks like on a desktop size screen and what content looks like and how you interact with it on a mobile screen, which is why you can't just apply, for example, responsive design to that responsive layout. No, I mean, I, what, you're, what you'll end up with is you'll have two different. You'll have two different builders, I guess. Yes. And you'll have a builder that has a desktop screen and you or. I'll call them layouts because people don't know what layouts are. Right. You'll have a layout for the desktop. You'll have a layout for the mobile. And maybe you'll have a layout for the tablet edition. Right. And within that, there may be some responsiveness. Yep. The, the current uh, app builder tool does that. You, ha you can select between a phone interface and a tablet interface. And within that, it's responsive. Right, I definitely want to get to the lesbians who tech thing. And we're, uh, we're almost an hour, man. Wow. You were talking a lot today. You ready for the lesbians who tech? Absolutely. Okay, let me make sure this is going to play. 
privilege of introducing our keynote interview uh, with Mark Benioff and Kara Swisher. First Benioff. Of all, Benioff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad she did her homework, this announcer. <laughs> really? Like okay, we, like, rule but, number one. Like we don't out, get names wrong every so often. Yeah, Maybe she's how, just nervous. Figure out how to... Well, let's see if, let's see if she, that was just a one-time thing or if she's just nervous. Uh, Mark Benioff. Nope. She just <laughs> thinks his name is not. The nerves are there. She's, she's about to meet her idol, Mark Benioff, this big-time celebrity. She, the, the, the butterflies are fluttering all in there. Honestly, I don't think she knows who he is. <laughs> I'm serious. Is the CEO and chairman of a company you may have heard of, uh, Salesforce. Um, he was a huge part of something called the cloud. Um, I, I know some of you still haven't heard of it, but I have a diagram. We can have a cocktail, go over it. It's fine. See, uh-huh. she, she, she's already inviting him on a date. We can have a cocktail. I think she's been condescending to the audience. In case you never heard, like, hey, don't be condescending to a room full of technology-oriented lesbians. <laughs> oh, in case you never heard of the cloud, we'll have a cocktail. It's okay. <laughs> she's she's uh, treading on thin ice there. Yeah. You're fine. Um, I also heard he's a big fan of Hawaiian shirts, which pretty much means he's already a lesbian. So we're- okay, oh that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, good. Only she could say that. If oh, you we were right. to say that, oh. we'd we'd be drummed out. Exactly. We'd, we'd be uh whatever yeah. <laughs> insensitive. Yeah. I'd leave that in because that was funny. <laughs> it was. We're good. We're good there. All right. I've already done all the presidents. Now sit down. You'll be fine. No. Um, <laughs> that could be taken so so wrong. I have to say, it's like for a while, someone's lav mic, like the battery is low or something, and you can hear a bunch of, this, a bunch of static, and that's just, that's not from, that's just the way it is. You're sensitive Sorry. about your audio quality. I am. Huge downgrade for you. Is this, uh... Do you want me to be honest? Sure. I'm honest. Absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I think Benny was a little nervous there. Good, but I have to say, Hillary was quite rocking. She came to play. So I hope you have. Uh... Hillary was rocking. She came to play, man. I, I mean... I don't think I'd ever use that particular adjective to describe Hillary. <laughs> Rockin'? I'd like to see that. Um, so, uh, so last time I interviewed... You Ma- think we're going to have a women president on our hands? Uh, on our hands? Uh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, yes, I think so. I think she looks pretty good. She looks fit and ready to go and seemed to be excited about running. Are you, what are you, a Democrat or a Republican? I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm an American. Oh, all right. Now- Good answer. That was a good, good answer. CEO yeah. answer. It was, wasn't good it? job, Mark. <laughs> oh. I, I did have a really interesting observation about Hillary, which was that um, a year ago we had her speak to our management team, uh-huh. and then we had her to uh, Dreamforce uh, right. to speak. I know you couldn't uh, couldn't make it. You had something to do. Yeah. But um, well, you also didn't pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars. But well, okay. Okay. Now. <laughs> okay. And. Yes, we all know Hillary's working on a campaign, well, and she she requires her uh, speaking fees, and that's just what it takes. Yeah, you know, that's why Salesforce. That's why Dreamforce is so expensive to put on. I, it, most of those top top yeah. of the line speakers are uh, are getting. Well, what is you know Hillary? Her what is her? She had three hundred thousand plus. You've got to you got to fly out in a private jet, and yeah, she's got to have all her security and, and everything. I know where you how to get you your attention exactly. Um, so let's talk about you. Let's not talk about Hillary. Let's talk about you. Okay. So last time I interviewed Mark, it was on the stage of my conference. Um, yes. And he, he... It went very well, It went very... Think? Well, I thought it didn't go very well because he attacked oh. me mercilessly on oh, stage I would never for not being um, as, as charitable as I should be. But now I have like a pack of friggin' lesbians behind me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So first of all, my, my vote for a show title, by the way, is pack of freaking lesbians oh, without, without a doubt. I mean, just that's so, uh, but what does that have to do with him attacking her mercilessly and mercilessly? And that's okay. Or no, it was a, uh, yeah, because she doesn't, she doesn't donate enough, but that's, it's okay that she doesn't donate enough because she has a pack of lesbians. No, it's just saying he can't, he can't bully her. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. They'll, they'll beat him up. Okay. Yeah, that probably, yeah, yeah, that's don't right. Bull, don't exactly. bully me. Okay, I didn't get that. Okay. I got backup. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I totally missed that. Okay. They cannot save you. They can save me. <laughs> yes, he, he knows. Um, I think learning to code is really important. I think even if, you're, even if you don't want to be a coder, I think knowing how computers work, it's really important. I think it just helps you in the technology industry. Mm-hmm. I thought he was trying to get rid of us all. He wants to get rid of us coders for point and click. I know. And it's so there's that's one reason I wanted to talk about this. There's so many inconsistencies here on this whole, like, should you be a coder? Should you not? Like, do we need, should everyone go into STEM? Is STEM where this country's future is? Oh, Are, and, and also notice that he's using the word coder, not developer, because again, they've ruined developer for us. Yeah. Like, well, no, even he, even he's had to go into a new word because he destroyed what the word developer means. He's like, damn it. I ruined that word. I've got to, what can I call them? Oh, coders. Let's call them coders. Okay. Um, let's see. So I do want to get into STEM. You want to go on Amazon. Okay. So if you're a parent, you want to go on Amazon and buy a raspberry Pi for $30 and hand that to your daughter. All right, John, you have a daughter. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's what people should be doing? Going and buying a raspberry Pi and giving it to their daughters. They're fun to play with. Cause I mean, and I've cut a, I've cut a lot of stuff out. I mean, this is a, this was a, this was, I think it was recode. So if you want to go listen to the whole thing, you're welcome to. It's like 30 minutes. Um, they're talking about, you know, like getting, getting uh, women involved as well. And like, you know, how do you do that? And I, and I do actually think he's kind of right here. I, I, do, I think it starts from what we're doing with little girls. Yeah. And right? no, I'm big on that. I mean, I, my daughter's, she, she has like after school science programs. She does uh, tech technology summer, summer camp where they get to build things. Um, right. In fact, in science class right now, they're, they're using Mindstorm to build a robot. And for the summer, I'm getting her a Mindstorm. I mean, it, we have little bits which is kind of like pie, but they're little connectors and things okay. and hardware. So yeah, she's played with those. And so like in our generation, when, when we were growing up, I don't think, I think it's overwhelmingly fair to say that girls didn't get that type of encouragement for technology type stuff. Right. Right. They got Barbie dolls. So I feel like and we're addressing that, right? Like we're, a lot of people are addressing that in just as a generation, we are encouraging girls to get into technology because we've talked about before, like, you know, Salesforce, they have, what do they call it? Their woman surge. Right. They have, and you're not allowed to, if you, if you're, you know, walk into a meeting and it's a bunch of guys, you've just got to go out there and grab, start grabbing women and bring them into the meeting and you got to surge the women. Yeah. Um, is, and I think, and I think that's a silly solution. Like, and, and maybe, maybe that program goes deeper than that. It's Salesforce that, you know, I don't know. I don't work there, but, um, I do think that, I don't, I, I do think, because we have, I've, I've, I've asked you almost, you know, facetiously, like what is, is Salesforce? Why is why does Salesforce only employ thirty percent of women, and why are even fewer in management? Why does their board have no women on it? I think that's right, isn't it? I don't think their board has any women. It could be wrong, um, but I think that's the case. And I don't I don't think the answer is because like Mark or any of these people are bigoted sexists, right? I don't think that's the case. I don't think that Salesforce has like you know institutionally ingrained discrimination, right? I hope I'd like to think not. I mean, again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't so work either. there, but it's, I, it's the same with, with Google and, and Apple and all these other companies that are on the same kind of bandwagon right, right I mean, now. The, the problem is, is the pool of available resources, talent, people, right? Right. 
it's 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 you know 70 80 90% men in some cases right i mean there's not a whole lot you can do about that other than address it at a very you know longitudinal you know generational type of thing right i mean once someone's 35 years old you're probably not going to switch of course it's mowing day you're not probably probably not going <laughs> to convince them to switch to sim and this probably wouldn't do any good you know they're a, they've right. been you know teaching english to second graders for 15 years yeah it's definitely something to if we're going to solve this, we're going to have to attack sooner. I, th- I think in terms of what we can do now is make sure that the women in tech that are in tech are not being discriminated against and making sure they're, they're comfortable in the environment as well. They're not, they're not being, I don't know. They're not, they're not getting massages, uncomfortable massages or whatever, <laughs> whatever the, the chauvinist things that yeah. happened in the past. But I'm glad to see that there are people are starting to talk about, well, maybe this, you know, huge push for STEM you know, isn't necessarily the right thing, or maybe we're going too far. So um, this guy, Fareed Zakari, who normally I'm, I don't know, I don't know that much about him. Not sure that I'm a huge fan of, but he's a CNN guy, I think. Um, But he wrote actually a pretty interesting article in the Washington something, Washington Post. And it was really talking about how, um, what is the title? Why America's obsession with STEM education is dangerous. And so he gives examples of from Obama to Rick Scott in Florida, all these different politicians from all different stripes. are saying that you know it, you know we've got to have we've got to have STEM and that our country depends on it and all this kind of stuff and um and and basically we're at the point where you know liberal education is irrelevant and the technical training is the new path forward. Um, I'm reading from this now. If, if that's the only way we are told to ensure that Americans will survive in an age defined by technology and shaped by global competition, and the stakes cannot be higher, right? Um. But really, I think we're missing out, right? So uh, further down, exposure to a v- variety of fields produces synergy and cross-fertilization. Yes, science and technology are crucial components of this education, but so are English and philosophy. When unveiling a new edition of the iPad, Steve Jobs explained that, quote, it's in Apple's DNA that technology alone is not enough, that it's technology married with liberal arts, married with the humanities, that yields us the result that makes our hearts sing. Right? Uh, innovation is not simply a technical matter, but rather one of understanding how people and societies work, what they need and want. America will not dominate the 20th, 21st century by making cheaper computer chips, but instead by constantly reimagining how computers and other te- new technologies interact with human beings. Anyway, that's actually a pretty damn interesting article. I highlighted a bunch of other stuff, but I won't go into it just because we're short on time. But really interesting. And, and it talks about how you know, Mark Zuckerberg was not even a computer science guy. I think he was some kind of liberal arts major. It just happened to be kind of a tech oriented mm-hmm. type of guy. Right. Um, but the reason, and, 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 and still to this day, the reason that Facebook is successful is not because necessarily they've got like the best tech. I mean, they do have a lot of smart tech people, but it's really that they figured out all the social stuff. Right. It has really nothing to do with technology. Why are you minimizing my job, man? Because. <laughs> It's all about technology. You just want to get, all about the you just code. Want to get drunk and evaluate Salesforce. It's orgs. all about the code. Or, or even better, we should build on that even better. Not just orgs, but the code. Because <laughs> sometimes I feel like I need a few to look at some of the code people have written. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm like, you know, if that guy was obviously drunk when he wrote that code, I should be able to get drunk while reading it. Right? <laughs> right. It's only fair. All right, let's keep going with this. We are at the point where we've got four amazing trends happening all simultaneously. Okay, so let me go back to my notes because this, this, was, uh, this was cracking me up. All right. That is we has, as you mentioned earlier, with the class. By the way, he keeps saying we has. Is that a thing? What is that? Has? Yeah. I didn't even notice let me back that. Back it up a little bit. 
we are at the point where we've got four amazing trends happening all simultaneously. That is, we has, as you mentioned earlier, with we has, you mentioned the cloud. We has, we has the cloud. <laughs> Listen, he says it again. We have the, that's the first one was the cloud. It's happening. We have, uh, which is, you know, all about kind of the evolution of systems of engage, systems of record. That as systems of record, we're kind of on mainframes and systems of record. We're on, um, you know, on, uh, on many computers. They were on client server systems. And now the idea was make them lower cost and easier to use. And systems of record are now in the cloud. All right. So I, I realize he could possibly be speaking off the cuff here, not super prepared. Although that forum, it kind of sounded like when he said we have these four amazing trends that that was prepared. Does that, does that sound like, you know, he had, he's thought of this before, right? I th yeah, it's probably something he's thought of before and maybe had prepared for a different conversation. And he's recalling it for this is what I, I, I gather. Because cloud is about the system of record, where system of record is. That's well, yeah. I mean, traditionally, your, your system of record for, for a piece of data is usually sitting on a hard drive behind your firewall. But and so, now that data is on the cloud. But that's all cloud is about. We just moved a system of record from one place to another. I mean, what about clouds about... I mean, the system record could be distributed across all over the place, right? I mean, it could be distributed across your firewall and in across, you know, virtual instances. I mean, you know, I, what I think the, the significance of it is the fact that a company has, uh, has, has given up control of that system or record to another system. I guess, I guess to an external outsourced system. I, I guess this makes sense coming from a guy who's the, the CRM guy and he was the Oracle guy before that. Like that's what they care about is being your system of record, right? Right. So from his perspective, I guess, but I mean, what about, what about cloud being about you know, sharing of resources to achieve coherence and econ economies of scale or the broader concept of converged infrastructure and shared services? I was almost reading that facetiously, that's, that's but seriously, serious. that's what cloud's about. It's about that. That's all inherent in the cloud. It's not just about where your system. Oh, well, you know, our system record, it's not, it's no longer in the, in the server closet back there. It's uh, it's over there at uh, Rackspace. Yeah, that's cloud. It's a cloud's about anyway. Of course, he's well. He, no, no, he's speaking to tech people, so they they would they would probably get it. I just feel like he that was a weird answer. Does it continue? Yeah. But then all of a sudden we have social networks. We didn't really have a name for it, uh, but it's a system of engagement and systems of record and systems of engagement. I said he he said we has again. I'm not going to go back and rewind it. But he said it again. But he's also making the point that we've been talking about. Are starting to get coupled together, and that's super. Well, not so everything about him is. Everything relates to the system of record, right? Where it is. Is it at Rackspace? Like that's in the cloud. Is it here? It's not in the cloud. Uh, the social media thing. Well, how does it relate to your system of record? <laughs> Everything is, how does it relate to the system of record? Well, that, that's what he built with Salesforce and Chatter, though. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what he built. That's just from his perspective. That's what. We're exciting. Of course, we have mobility, which means that everybody's got it in their pocket. Everybody here has probably at least one smartphone with them. How many people have two smartphones with them? And there's a special session for all of you later. And then. <laughs> okay, so what did he mean by that? I don't know. Why do, why do you have two separate cell phones? Or smartphones? I, I just feel like there was some, that was some joke that I didn't get. Or there's some kind of inside thing. Was that a, was that a lesbian thing? I, I think in, in this. I would get in trouble saying this. <laughs> if you're a player, <laughs> okay. you have one phone for for the significant other and another phone oh, for, yeah. for for the yeah. uh, the the mistress. Oh, is that what he meant? That's what maybe that's what he meant. I'm that's how okay. I'm taking it. Okay, can't read him. The fourth thing that's happening is we have a system of intelligence, which will be kind of the third wave of computing that we're moving into, 
And um, that, you know, when we see systems of record, systems of engagement, and systems of intelligence all working together, then whether it's for you personally or whether it's going to be for your business, well, that's a transformation. And uh, we're, that's, you know, you we're right in the middle of everything. Are you nervous? Okay, hang on. Then whether it's for you personally or whether it's going to be for your business, well, that's a transformation. Whether it's for you personally or whether it's for your business, that's a transformation. It is. What's a transformation? The, the intelligence that you'll be able to apply to your data now. We have and, uh, all, all, all of our data is far more accessible than it used to be because it's not behind all these walls. It's now somewhere where multiple mediums can okay, gain access I'm, to I'm it. Listen to this again. What's happening is we have a system of intelligence, which will be kind of the third wave of computing that we're moving into. Third wave. And um, that, you know, when we see systems of record, systems of engagement, system of record, system of intelligence, together, then whether together. it's for you personally or whether it's going to be for your business, well, that's a transformation. I just think he talked around those buzzwords over and over. I don't think he really said. I don't think he said anything there. But I understand what he was saying. Okay, I get it. Yeah. You bought in. And, uh, I bought in. Some tasty Kool Aid, huh? Are you nervous We're right about in the middle are, of everything? Are you nervous it's about delicious. the systems of intelligence, Elon and uh, Elon Musk and others? Well, you had the line, right? You had the funniest line. Which was what? You said. Okay. I have lots of funny lines. You do have a lot of funny lines. I'll tell you my Apple joke later. <laughs> do you want to hear it? Let's hear it now. I've told it before, but. Okay, I'll just say. If you have small children or sensitive um, people, you might want to skip forward about 10 or 30 seconds because there's an inappropriate joke about to come. If you haven't heard it, um, you know that Apple's run by men when they create the iPhone 6 Plus and it's 5.5 inches. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't Um, expecting that. (laughs) That was from my son came up with that one. Very nice. He's good with a penis joke. Anyway, go ahead. I mean... Exactly what I expect from a lesbian conference. <laughs> no, her son came up with that joke. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> what did I say? That was. Are funny? there any other jokes you want to tell? No, that's here? enough. Yeah. Get herself in trouble. So, uh, um, but you said it's all funny until they <laughs> I, kill us. I could tell he, he's blushing at that point. Oh, yeah, he handled that well. Yeah. yeah, but just just coming back into it, I can tell there's a little blush on those cheeks. He really, you, there's really nothing he could have said that would have not gotten him in trouble. <laughs> And he just, you know, he's fairly graceful about it. Right, exactly. Yes, it's all fun and games until they eat us, I think that was what I said. And what, what did that mean? Well, I think I was making a joke about Google. Megan's not there anymore, so I can make as money as I want now. Um, but I said Google in 20, back in 2012, which irritated Eric Schmidt, I said Google's going to become self-aware and start killing the human race. Um, and so... They are Skynet. And they were like, ha-ha, and I'm like... They're what? They are Skynet. Yeah. If anyone is, they no, are. No, no, it's the Terminator. We are in the Terminator movie right now, and... Schwarzenegger's somewhere in this theater about to kill me. But, um, but I did. I, I am worried about those things. It's going to be all fun and games until they start killing us. Yes, I agree with that. How do you think about that? Listen to how he, listen to how he answers this. Well, I was with somebody. Uh, uh, he's like, what's that called when you... Either rephrase a question or you... Uh, you're buying time. Yeah, you're buying, you're, you're buying thinking time. Yeah. Like, how can I just answer this and sound smart? I was with somebody. I won't tell you who it is. Uh, Another meaningless non-fact to buy time. Uh, but as a CEO that you'd all know. And, uh, of course. His neighbor. We're at dinner and they said to me, well, you know, do you think this is just all a simulation? Oh. You know? And I'm like, oh, gosh. Are we just, I mean, I don't know. It's Keanu. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that... What, what we, did you answer? I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) 
you want to... Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's a good answer. The hashtag for the next couple of years of your life, what would it be? That's another uh, hard-hitting question. Well, huh? what, what, would, what would you think? Well, you've heard it, so you know, but... Yeah, I've heard it. But you know what that reminds me of? What kind of a tree are you? If you think you're a tree now. It's Barbara Walters. Like the famous what kind of tree are you? What kind of tree are you? What kind of tree are you, Jeremy? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big live oak. I'm a cactus. Is a cactus considered a tree? No. Well, I'm a cactus. <laughs> no, it, a cactus is not a tree. No. I don't conform to the, st- to the yeah. standards of this world. Uh, <laughs> I want a cactus days, to be a tree. Sir. Oops. Where'd that come from? I meant to do. <laughs> a cactus is not a tree. All right. <laughs> Here's the answer. If I had a hashtag for the next couple of years of my life, it would be uh, pound. Kara's company needs to adopt the one one one. Okay. Of All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you much. Bet you didn't see that coming, huh? No, not at all. What are you doing? I'm putting my vote in for show title. Oh, okay. Cactus is not a tree. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one? Oh, it was. Pack of freaking lesbians? Is that oh, what it was? A pack of le- pack of angry lesbians or something? <laughs> I think it was a freaking pack of lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're doing show show. We John and I've decided we've got to do show titles on the fly now. Oh, we're taking way too long to produce. Exactly. I mean, I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to have debates afterwards, or you know, we're trying to like. We're, streamline, streamline, we're trying to stream, streamline and get efficient. Exactly. Exactly. You know, get when we finish recording. We kaizened it. We found exactly. what was working, what we, was not working. We applied some Lean Six Sigma. Yeah. <laughs> We've got our Kanban board. Oh, wow. I told you, do not disturb. You didn't do it. I don't even know how. You have to show me how to do that sometime. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, so that was exciting. I mean, come on. Lesbians Who Tech, that's entertaining. That is, that is quality podcast material. That was fun stuff. I mean, <laughs> they, know have a good, they know how to have a good time, get packed, relax, and just, just have too. fun with it. Yeah, they're funny. That's what happens when you're not worried about being politically correct all the time. You get to have fun. Exactly. Plus, is, is it video? Is it video or you just have audio? That is a video, yeah. yeah. You can go watch it. I mean, it's, there's not much to it. I just want to see how red he gets at certain points of time. I, I got to see he had to have. He probably has plenty of like TV makeup on. You couldn't see him turn red. <laughs> uh, well, it's Friday. It's We're Friday. about to wrap this up. Yep. I'm going to put something in the show notes because I think it's hilarious. It, it's a, um, uh, who did this? I'd never heard of the site. io9.com. Anyways, I showed up in Mars, Mars feed. I think it's Gizmodo or something. I don't know why it's called io9. But anyways, they compiled a list of hilarious TV ads from the dawn of the computer era. And the one I find most interesting, because I did not know this existed, was the ones with Tom Baker. They had a whole series, probably about three or four of them, of Tom Baker advertising for this computer system called Prime. Okay. It was hilarious. Hmm. I'll have to watch that <laughs> or look at that. But there's, uh, there's other ones for other computer systems of the era. Um, so it's, it's, it's funny to watch these old, these old commercials and how they're advertising the computer. Do you watch the show Halt and Catch Fire? No. They've had, I think, one episode. Or sorry, one season. But it's about a, it's kind of like a fictional company, but it's kind of, I think it's modeled after Compaq. They, they're, it's a company that's making like one of the first IBM clones. Mm-hmm. I think it's set in Texas, Houston, I think. Hmm. It was pretty good. First season. I hope they have another one. So is it a comedy about that era? Or? No, that's a drama. Uh, it comes on like AMC or FX or something. I like comedies. 
I mean, it's got funny parts. Maybe it's a dramedy. A dramedy. I prefer my comedy without the drama. That's <laughs> all I got, man. And to that, I say, good day, sir. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. So, uh, um, I give money to lesbians. It's all funny until they kill us. Um. What kind of a tree are you? Or do you think you're a tree now? That's a clown question, bro. Thanks, Jim. Great to see you. Developers, 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 developers.